0: Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and again, we encourage you to bring your own Bible. We want you guys to be in the Word of God. We want you to see it on the pages uh, that you can see it. Uh, we want you to be able to mark your own Bible if you're a marker. We want you to be able to find it in your own Bible and you will remember it better if you have a physical Bible. Now, I know the new generation and likes to have the, the phone and all of that. But I still understand that you, und- you will remember more and find things better if you have a written copy of the Word of God. And we're, we're standing in 2,000 years of tradition of the New Testament, right? Over 4,000 years when we take in Israel, they had scrolls. So let's, we want to we stand on the shoulders that go before. So there's the rantings of an old man. <laughs> but uh, we do want to have the word of God with us. Well, our text this morning will be 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I mean 13, verses 1 to 3. Paul writes, as he is moved by the Holy Spirit, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. There ends the reading of God's word this morning. Let us go to the Lord in prayer before we walk through our text this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again we pray that you will give clarity. In the message that your word will be honored, pray that your Holy Spirit will again teach us, that he will open our eyes to the truths of your word, that we will hear from you this morning, and that we will have a better understanding of what you require from us and that we will go out changed because our thinking has been changed by the word of God and we are now more conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray that we would be willing to be obedient. Grant us that repentance. Grant us that obedience. And may you be glorified through your church here at Bowmanville, I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we're starting first a new chapter, which is always exciting, and we're really going into a chapter that is probably one of the most well-known chapters in Scripture. It's the love chapter, right? This, is, this one's the one that we drag out all the time. We do it in marriage counseling, we, we pull it out at youth group, we pull it out in seminars, and we teach it all the time. But I would say this, that this is probably a a chapter and and a passage of Scripture that is pulled out of its context more than any other passage in Scripture. Because we teach it and we say, you need to turn to love and you need to be caring and this is how you do your marriage and all of those things. And yet, Paul does not give this chapter primarily for your personal edification and how you are to relate. Sounds funny, doesn't it? But Paul has a tendency to do that. One of the greatest treaties on, the, on, the, on Christ and, and his incarnation is under is given to us. Why? To be an example of humility. And here, as he gives us maybe the, the greatest explanation of what love is, it's in the context of spiritual gifts. In other words, his purpose here isn't to tell you how to relate as it were individually even though it can be applied there, but primarily that you are to exercise spiritual gifts in love. And so his whole emphasis on love here is to be applied back to the use of spiritual gifts. And so he wants you to understand that you need to exercise spiritual gifts in love. Now he's going to go through this chapter, and we could really break this chapter into three three sections. In this first section, he's going to talk about the preeminence of love. This is this is see how important it is. Then he will give us the perfections of loves or the properties of love, where he will now describe actually what it looks like, and so and say, "Well, I'm supposed to love. Well, what does it look like? Well, here it is." And then finally, he will show us the permanence of love, that love will continue for all time. And so it's it's in his it is in this passage then that he gives us a full understanding of biblical love. Now it's interesting again we're speaking about love and we we want to understand what first of all that he's using the word here agape. This is this word that is used for a act of the will. In English, we really only have one word for love, and it tends to cut, carry everything from, from friendship to our love for burgers to our love for our spouse, right? And so we really don't have a lot. We, we use it often very generally and for many different things. But in the Greek, they have many more words for love. So you you can have a word for 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 affection, like for a brother, phileo. It's it's a it's a love for liking someone. Eros is is a sexual love, attraction. But this isn't that one. This is actually a, a a word that we would say where you are going to l- do what's best for the object of your affection, regardless of their re, their. Ability to actually respond back to you, whether they deserve it or not. And we would call it a self-sacrificing love. That's what this is. This is a self-sacrificing love based upon a choice of your will. And of course, as we come then to this section here, he's going to be calling us to be self-sacrificing. He's going to call us to be thinking of others rather than ourselves. And as he goes through this section, then he is going to be giving to us really three different um, results of using your gifting without love. In other words, what is the value of your gifting without love? And he will say, first of all, if you use your gifting in ministry and you use your spiritual gifts without love, you ultimately result in what? Nothing useful, nothing useful at all. He says, if, secondly, he says, you will have produced something of no value if you use your gifts without love, he says, because you yourself will be useless. He says, the result of your gifting is you don't produce anything useful. Then he says, actually, you will be of no value yourself. And thirdly, he says, you will produce of nothing value for yourself. You will have no reward that will result from using your spiritual gifts. And so he says, there's a danger of using your spiritual gifts in ministry without love. Because you will actually produce nothing of value. Nothing of value from your ministry. Nothing. You will be of no value. And ultimately there will be no reward in your ministry. So he begins this section then. And he starts with what we would call a hypothetical situation. And this whole text is is drenched in hyperbola he is he's going to make what we would call statements of exaggeration in order to make a point he's not trying to he's not going to try to make uh, you you need to be careful sorry to not to draw specifics out of hyperbola in other words he's he's making an overstatement if I've told you once I've told you I was gonna say a thousand but a million that's good right so millions, good. I, you, you never really told anyone something a million times. So it's, it's an exaggeration to make a point, And that's what Paul is doing here. All the way through this section, he is making that kind of argument. So he says, "Men, if, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong. So he, so he says, if I spoke in languages and then angels, Whoa. Nobody can do that. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge. Well, who knows all knowledge and all mysteries? No one. Right? So he's exaggerating to make a point. And so he begins here and he says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So he says, if I speak with the tongues of men. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, some people have said, well, this just really refers to eloquency. He's just speaking eloquently and he's speaking in human languages. But in this whole context, he's been speaking of what? Spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. And so he says, when he says, he, if, if I speak in the tongues of men, he's speaking about speaking in what? In languages, right? And we, we talked about that last week, I believe. When we speak of tongues, we're really speaking of what? The gift of being able to speak in a human language. The, the word there, Glossea is used for what? Human language. It's not used for babble. There's other words for that. He's saying, you are, if I speak in human languages, if I was to speak in the, he says, the tongues of men, Again, they, why didn't they do, I don't know why we don't just translate this. The languages of men. And his point is, is that what? If I speak in what? The languages of every single man. If I was the only guy in the world who had the ability to speak in every single languages, every human language, and I didn't have love, I would just be a noisy sounding gong. Now, it's interesting, just so that we know that this is languages, he says kinds of, later on, he says kinds of languages or kinds of tongues in chapter 14. And what he means by that is that genesis is the word gnos, which means families. In other words, there are families of languages. So kinds of languages is what? It's just simply saying Families of languages. And we know that there are families of languages. He uses another word to use that means dialects. In other words, dialects, that comes out of the families. There are families of languages, and then there are dialects. And every time he's referring to this gift. And so we know that he is referring not to some ecstatic speech, but to what? Human languages. Human languages. Well, then he says... But you might say, but he says here, what? And of angels. Aha! Aha! There are angelic languages that people can speak in. Obviously, because he mentions it, right? But what did we start the first part about? This is what called what? Hyperbola, right? The one thing that we cannot draw from this, because the language won't allow us, is that there are... Languages, he's saying that there are angelic languages. You will not find that taught anywhere in scripture. In fact, the only other communication that we have in scripture is between the Holy Spirit and God the Father, right? Where he intercedes with groanings to what? To to be heard. Right? So that we know that the Trinity communicates in a way, but... But there's nothing about what? Angels. And in fact, every time we see angels talking, right? They are speaking in human language. When they appeared to the shepherds, right? Glory to God in the highest. On an earth, what? Goodwill to men. They spoke in languages that people understood. Now, how do, how do angels communicate? Don't know. Right they're spirit beings there certainly being seems to be some way that they communicate, they communicate with God, they praise him, but we're not told, and certainly this if gifts are are to get are given and he says and 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 to to be done in love, love by its very Essence is self-sacrifice and doing stuff for others. If I'm going to speak in angelic languages in my closet, how can I demonstrate love to anyone? I can't. It's not giving to anyone else. It's only what giving to me. And so it really contradicts the law of love, we would say, because it is not self, self-sacrificing and self-giving. It is self-exalting. And so Paul says, if, if, if I was to speak, if I could speak every single human language on the earth. And hypothetically, it, let's say there was angelic languages and I could speak them too. And he says, I, if I don't have love, if I'm not self-sacrificing, looking out for the best for others. He says, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. That doesn't sound very good, does it? The reality is, it's a a racket and a noise. They used to bang. They used to bang a a cymbal in pagan worship. The other was simply a brass piece that they would hit. Noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And you realize that right off, if you are exposed to this for any length of time, how irritating it would be, right? So minimally, we would say, this is irritating, bothersome. But you also know that in a clanging symbol, that there's nothing communicated there's nothing communicated. There's, there's just noise. In other words, when you, when you start using the gift of tongues and you, and you do it without love, he says, guess what? You become a clanging cymbal. You're just white noise. And in fact, this was used in pagan worship. And he says, Someone's, if you come into the church, remember Paul says you come into the church and someone hears you speaking in tongues and everybody's speaking in tongues, the unbeliever is going to do what? He's going to think you're mad. He's going to say, this is no different than the ecstatic speech that I heard in my own temple. There's nothing new here. And so nothing of of use will be done. Nothing useful for the kingdom of God. Nothing useful for the church. Nothing for the building up will be done at all. It will be useless. It will be useless. You could say this. The reality is. That. That. Using your spiritual gifts under the influence of the Holy Spirit produces love. And if you are using your gift without the Holy Spirit and without love, then you are actually what? Working in the flesh. You are working in the flesh. And really, whatever exercising this gift really just becomes an exercise in you exercising your flesh and you're really no better than pagan worship without love it's pretty tough isn't it it's no better than pagan worship because it is produced by the flesh rather than by the spirit and so he says listen no one's going to hear what you say no no fruit's going to be produced there's going to be nothing of value done here Because it's not produced by the Spirit. And it's not done in love. Well, he says, if I have, then secondly, he says, in reality, not only is it useless, but you yourself become of no value. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith to remove mountains but do not love, I am nothing. Now, he says, if you have the gift of prophecy and you have the gift of faith without love, you are nothing. Now, notice this. He doesn't say you're nobody. He doesn't say you're nobody. He doesn't say you're, you're not quite, quite fulfilled, right? He doesn't say you haven't reached your full potential. He says you're nothing. Zip. Zero. So he says, if you have the gift of prophecy, which is again foretelling when God reveals, he says, if, if I had this, if I had this and I was able to underst- get revelation from God so that I could reveal the mind of God to you. And he says, along with that, I, I know all mysteries, everything that's been hidden in God. And I have all knowledge. I know all of the facts. Now, notice that what he's basically Paul would saying is, if you got to this extreme, who would you be like? God, right? I know everything. And he says, I don't even care if you know everything. If God revealed everything to you, you had all the knowledge that God has. He says, if you don't exercise that gift in ministry in love, he says, you're zero. You're nothing. Again, he says, And if I have the faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not lo- have love, I am nothing. The gift of faith. Now, it does puzzle me why one would want to move a mountain. Unless you just don't want to climb it. And you want, don't want to go around it. But his point is this. is, is the, the, the ability for God to do miraculous things is, as we trust in him and have faith in him, recognizing that he has the power to do whatever he chooses to do. And he says, if you have that faith to trust in him, to continually recognize that he has powerful to do what he says he will do, and you trust in him in circumstances, he says, in fact, if you, if you could have faith to the point where you said to this mountain, move, and it, it would move. God can do difficult things and you trust in him. And he says, if you have all that faith and all that trust, but you don't have love, he says, you're zero, you're nothing, you're nothing. Now that's kind of interesting because when you think about it, the Corinthians have been doing what? They have been trying to exalt themselves through this whole book. In fact, they've been exalting themselves over their gifting. They've forgotten that that what Paul said to them at the very beginning, God chose you, right? And and he said, not many wise, not many noble. They forgot that they came from a world where they were nothing. They were absolutely nothing. And they came into the church and they had an identity in Christ and they had an identity in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now they have exalted themselves and they have used their gifts to separate and to make themselves better and to make them elitists. And Paul says, actually, when you do that, you're right back to where you started. You're nothing. You're nobody. You're nobody. Just like the world said you were nobody before you came to Christ and you were the least, he says now in the body of Christ and in God's agenda and in his program, you you have accomplished what? Nothing. You're nothing. You've basically what? Lost your respect. You've lost your privilege. You've lost your position. He's not saying they're losing their salvation, but he's saying, listen, you're nothing. You think you're somebody. You're pumping yourself, your tires, and you're, you're pretending you're above everyone. But the reality is you're nothing. You're nothing. And so he says, all that knowledge, all that prophecy, all that faith is worthless without demonstrating love to one another. Is it used for the building up of the body? Is it used up for the edification of others? Or are you using it to point to you? Are you measuring your value on your gift? Rather than recognizing that your identity comes not from your gifting, but from the giver of the gift and a relationship with him. And the only value that comes through is what? when you act like the one who gave you the gift and demonstrate his love through his empowering. So he says, if you you exercise your gifts without love, you produce nothing, nothing of value. If you exercise your gifts without love, you end up being of no value. You haven't, brought, you haven't brought anything to the church. You haven't brought anything to the table. You become nothing. It's pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh. But he wants to stress the preeminence of love. And then lastly, he says, you won't get any reward. You won't get any reward. And if I give up all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And again, as he comes here, he says, and, and again, if I give all my possessions, well, what would happen if you gave up, if you gave up all your possessions? You would be poor, and you would need to be have someone be giving you stuff, right? So he's not saying that's what's to take place, but the idea here is if someone gives, it says, "If I give all my possessions to feed the poor." Now, actually, feeding the poor is not in this; is not actually in the text. The word to give here has the idea of either to give out portions or to feed. And so, or, or, or to feed someone. And so the idea of the, is that the, the translators have understood that this means to feed the poor. And probably that idea is there. But the idea is that this man has given all his possessions by morseling it out. He's, he's actually himself taken his, his wealth and he started to give it out to give it to the poor to feed them. And he is personally involved. He's not just giving his stuff. He's actually in the battle himself. He's actually performing the giving. He's the one who's out front, who is, who is participating in the giving away. So it's not just the giving. He's actually now actually, he's, at, he's not just supplying the soup kitchen. He's working in the soup kitchen. All right. He's, he's giving it all away. And so he says, if if, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and don't have love, it profits me nothing. There's no reward in it. If I don't do it out of love, there's no reward. Now, it's kind of interesting because of all the gifts, this seems to be the one that would still have benefit. He says it profits nothing. And yet this one still seems like there would be some sort of profit, doesn't there? Because if I feed the poor... They're not hungry. They don't starve. If I give someone something that helps them out, it seems beneficial. And yet he says it profits what? Nothing. Nothing at all. And again, what is he saying? He's not saying that it didn't help the poor. He's saying that it doesn't profit you at all. There's nothing that's credited to your account by doing that. You can't just, because it's easy in some ways, this is tied to maybe to the, the gift of helps and the gift of giving. It's easy to actually give stuff, right? But it doesn't mean that you're giving it for the glory of God. We have plenty of very rich men in the world who profane the name of God, who give to charity, who give money away. And they don't do it for the glory of God. They don't do it for the benefit of the church. They do it for what? Themselves. Whether it's to their guilt. Whether it's for glory so that they will get praises of men. Makes them feel like the big man on campus. Whatever that is. They give. They even do what we would call earthly good. But they don't do it for the glory of God and so this is one that can be easily faked it can be easily seen to by others to be profitable and good and yet the heart can be wrong and he says unless you give out of love it profits me nothing it, it does no value for me it it gives me no credit god is not pleased And then he says, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Now, the translators, so some say, if I surrender my body to be burned. Um, others would understand this to be giving their body over. Um, And the idea is is that instead of giving my body over to be burned, rather I surrender my body. In other words, I give my life over to be a slave for others. Now, some have said, well, if if it means to burn your body, it means that I, I am willing to give my life for Christ. I'm willing, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to what? to die for Christ, to to die for standing for God. And so the idea would be, if I am willing to lay down my life for God and to be burned and have my body wrecked, it doesn't matter how pious I am. It doesn't matter how gung ho I am. If I don't have love, it doesn't profit me anything. And certainly we could say that, it, that there, was, there was those, it would seem, in history who were a little over-eager to, to head to the martyr's table, right? Those who wanted to, who, to die in order to get glory and to, and to get praise. Others say, well, no, this is, this is really saying I, I surrender my body not to be burned, but, but to service. In other words, I'm, I'm surrendering my body... And some of the earliest transcripts have this idea where I'm giving my body over to serve others. In other words, I'm giving my body, as it were, as a slave. And so in my slavery, I can, I can serve others. And the idea is that I'm giving my life of of sacrificial giving for others. And just like the first guy who sold his goods, the second guy is now not just giving his possessions, he's giving himself. His whole life is now set apart for slavery in order to serve others. Either way, Paul is saying, listen, it doesn't matter how much self-sacrifice you do for others. It doesn't matter if you give up all of your possessions. It doesn't even matter if you give up your life. It is nothing unless it's done with love. In other words, there's no reward for this. In God's program, he doesn't say, oh, well, you know what? You were willing to die. You were willing to give up your life in service for others. You were actually willing to give up all of your earthly possessions. But he says, if, there, if this is not inspired by the Holy Spirit that produces love, then it's useless. And remember, love is a fruit of the what? Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. It's almost like the rest of that list is maybe uh, what's produced by love. And he says, if you exercise your gifts and they're self-exalting and they bring glory to you and they're done for your sake and for your glory and for your fame, he says, God doesn't reward that. You might be able to fool the crowd. They may all look at you, and they may all um, say, "Wow, look at him go! Look what he's doing!" And he says, "I don't even care if you give everything away. I don't even care if you if you die for for what to to look good for others and to serve others. If it's not done in love, if it's not done by." the Holy Spirit that produces a love, the love of God working through you to others and for the building of the church, it is nothing. And so Paul says, listen, nothing of value is done in ministry as you exercise your spiritual gifts unless it is produced Unless love is produced through the Holy Spirit. There's no value at all. There is nothing of value. You don't help others. You become an irritant and white noise. Nothing is heard. Nothing is heard. No one hears you. It's just blah, 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 blah. Right? In other words... I can't hear your words because your life is getting in the way, right? I can't hear what you're saying because your life is screaming at me. Says you, you ultimately become what? Worthless. You're a zero. You have nothing. You've gained nothing. You bring no value to the church. You yourself. It's like you're not there. You're like the middle of the donut, right? Nothing. I mean, for, for the Corinthians, wow. We thought we we thought we were something. We thought we were everything. We thought we were the most important. We thought we were the vessels of honor. We thought we were the ones that everybody should look to. No, actually, you're just the middle of the donut. Nothing. And then he says, ultimately, it doesn't profit you anything. You gain no glory before God. God doesn't look at you and say, oh, good job. Right? He doesn't say, well, we're gonna, there's reward for that. This is wood, hay, and stubble is what he would call that. This is the stuff that we're going to burn up. And so Paul says to the Corinthians, you've got it all wrong. You're going about this all wrong. You're using your gifts to exalt yourself when your gifts were made to what? Edify the body, to build it up, to point outwards. Your gifts are meant to be instruments of what? Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. And I'm going I'm I'm to tell you something. When you are involved in ministry when you are involved in ministry, in your gifting area as a believer, 99% of the time, 90, 98, you will give more than you get. Why? Because by nature, your gifts are what? Self-sacrificing, self-sacrificing. And this, now listen very carefully. This is why you cannot do ministry outside the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it will kill you. It will drag you down. It is only when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and the love that he produces that you will actually be able to do this. And so our challenge is to what? Be controlled by the Holy Spirit, exercising the love that he produces in us so that we actually produce something useful, that we are actually beneficial to the church, and we ultimately receive, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Let's close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we again rejoice that you have given us your word. You've given us your Holy Spirit to help us understand it. And we pray that you would make us a church that exercises our gifts in love. May we recognize the futility of service without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the love that he produces in our heart. And so, Heavenly Father, build Bowmanville Baptist Church into the bride that you would have her to be. May we always understand the necessity of biblical love, self-sacrificing for one another for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen.